Well, the mist was lifting from Rosebury topping and the moors were cold and green. And the driver swore there'd be no stopping as he made for the A19. And in the borough, lads and lasses were sleeping safe and still. When Gavor Hussein hit the road with a million mouths to fill. His beans and rice and rice and beans And her hands when you fall For there's a friendly face, a better place And a future for us all He couldn't bear the lads and the lasses' faces On the TV screens As they drowned and froze in hateful places With nothing but their dreams so he bought a bus and he filled it up with beans and rice and tea. And on a winter's morn he headed south and crossed over the sea. His beans and rice and rice and beans and her hands when you fall. For there's a friendly face, a better place and a future for us all. Now in Dunkirk we remember yet The soldiers on the sand Eight hundred ships we'll not forget That came to lend a hand But here comes one more vessel now Across the angry sea To serve three thousand meals a day And ten thousand cups of tea Here's beans and rice and rice and beans and a hand when you fall For there's a friendly face, a better place And a future for us all Now some have stared into his face And wondered if he's mad But he knows he'd be in their place If it weren't for the chance he had And the lads and lasses Hopeful faces are what drives him on so he's the gaffer and his bus and a better world to come. His beans and rice and rice and beans and a hand when you fall. For there's a friendly face, a better place and a future for us all. Well, the mist was lifting from Rosebury topping and the moors were cold and green. And the driver swore there'd be no stopping as he made for the A19. And in the borough, lads and lasses were sleeping safe and still. When Gaffer Hussein hit the road with a million miles to fill. His beans and rice and rice and beans and a hand when you fall. For there's a friendly face, a better place and a future for us all. His beans and rice and rice and beans and a hand when you fall. For there's a friendly face, a better place and a future for us all. For there's a friendly face, a better place and a future for us all. That's the young'uns with Gaffer's Bus from the album Strangers. The young'uns come from Stockton, which is near Middlesbrough in the northeast of England, which is a place I know 
quite well. I got to be honest because I actually come from a place called Sunderland, which is not that far from Middlesbrough, and I get yeah. the impression that these guys might be Middlesbrough fans or what we call Borough fans. So I got to be really careful about what I say in the company. But <laughs> the Younguns are an absolutely fabulous band. They sing a lot of a cappella music. Uh, they're going to tell us their story in a, in a few moments because it is a, a fabulous story. We're here at Folk North, which is Folk Music Canada's export event in Toronto. Uh, the Youngins have actually been in Canada, I think, for the best part of a month touring. They were at Mariposa this summer, uh, one of the big hits at that festival. Great to have you guys join us today. What I'd like you to do is introduce yourselves, and then we'll talk about how you got together and then uh, your music. Okay, well, I'm David. I'm Michael. And I'm Sean. And you're the Youngins. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this story, because this is a great story. We're called the Youngins because uh, we were the uh, youngest people by far at our local folk club, which is something that we stumbled across. Um, about four, um, about uh, 2004 it was, wasn't it? It's about 13 years ago. And, uh, and the reason for which was because it happened to take place in the only pub uh, in our hometown of Stockton that would serve us underage. And so just so there was a folk club on in the back room of this pub, and there was just people singing songs, people singing in their own accents, people singing these wonderful songs, sea shanties, songs of uh, meaning, uh, historical songs, songs of industry, songs of where we came from. We thought, what is this place? No one had told us about it. And we just felt so, it was just such a brilliant discovery. And we just kept coming back week after week. And eventually people sort of noticed us. We were pretty conspicuous by the fact that we were the youngest people there by about 40 years. And so we got christened the Younguns as a result, which is a name that we sadly haven't been able to shake off. When you got together, I mean, did you go there individually or were you friends before you actually decided to visit the folk club? We were, well, we were friends. We were friends, Jan, yeah. And it's... Uh... Yeah, Sean and Michael, you knew each other since primary yeah, school. Yeah, and yeah. And then I met only, only about a month before that, really. And so we had no intention of singing with each other. That was the thing. And then we, as, as Dave said, we stumbled across this folk club and we were so enamoured by people singing in their own accents and everybody knowing, the, you know, knowing these songs that we'd never heard anything about. And something really special about that kind of communal singing stuff. So yeah, it was great. the wall of sound, the harmonies. You know, we'd be sort of grown up singing in like a choir. And Michael and I sang in a choir. But, you know, you weren't allowed to drink beer in the choir like you are at a folk club. And you weren't allowed to just sing harmonies as drunkenly and as loudly as you wanted. And that's what really appealed to us at first, really. So it's really pretty uh, a liberating environment for you to, to explore oh, your music. Cer certainly for me as well, because I, I was not from a musical background at all. And uh, so to, to, to know that you, there were people in that folk club who were just normal uh, people who just turned up and would, would get up at the front introduce a song with a bit of a joke, sing it, get halfway through it, forget the words, but no one was bothered. It was just so unpretentious. It was, I just loved it. It was so accessible. Tell us a little bit about getting together and singing. When you first started to, to go to the club, did you, you realise, I mean, obviously, uh, you mentioned that Michael and Sean went to primary school together, but when did you realise that your voices mesh so well? Because... That's one of the things that really comes through when you perform well, is that is, the yeah. way that you, I don't know, every, I mean, you make everybody sit back and say, wow, what, a, what an amazing but sound these guys have. It wasn't have. like that from the start, though, John. You know, we didn't just start singing in three-part harmony. That was the thing it yeah, took. Our voices didn't mesh together at first. No. You know, as we say, we just drunkenly joined in with the songs, often out of tune, you know, very loud and raucous. We just wanted to be heard above the rest of the the sound really you know the and, and it was just i don't know we were just sort of really enjoy it and really enjoying it enthusiastic and it wasn't until 
we got off. We got we must have done loads of gigs before we started to sound anywhere near decent. And so it's kind of just a war of attrition, really. It just eventually had to happen. It was, you know, we were terrible, 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 terrible. But eventually we got semi-decent and uh, it progressed to there too. Uh, I'd say above average now. So you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we always aspired to. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, uh, if above average means what being voted folk group of the year, two years running for the BBC Radio 2 Folk Awards. I mean, that's yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, that was a real... Uh, it was, you know, it was quite a, a surprise for us, really, because, you know, we came from the whole folk club scene and for that to kind of happen, it was, it was really great that we sort of felt acknowledged in a way by the wider folk community, the more mainstream folk community, I suppose, as well. So that was a, a real kind of interesting moment for us where we thought, wow, you know, the people nationally are kind of taking note now. We've done all the festivals and that kind of thing, but it's just nice to think that people in the industry, if you will, uh, are sort of liking your, your music as well. Because that's what we do it for, really. You know, it was a shame having to do all those grueling folk clubs. It's the people in the industry that we want to well, that's impress. That's we were bothered about. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Yeah. Just, we just wasted our own time. It shows the dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the folk clubs, because that's one of the things that People from Canada and North America going across the UK, they love the fact that there are so many great folk clubs that are so welcoming. I mean, you mentioned, you know, three young lads going in and, and getting to uh, not just have a beer, but enjoy all of this great music. It, it must be a great place for, for people really to hone their chops, you know, to, to develop their sound. I mean, that that's one of the neat things uh, about the, the scene over there, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. And and it, it all sort of stems from this idea of, of community and communal singing so when we sort of discovered it we never really had the intention that oh we're going to be a band and we're going to do this uh, and one day we'll get gigs and one day we'll come to canada and we'll be professional it, it was just so much fun that, that that was what it was it was fun and storytelling and, and the welcome we received was just wonderful and, and the people obviously knew that we even though we were we were drunk and we were loud and we were awful we we were enjoying it and we were passionate about it and and they just sort of encouraged us to, to keep coming back and to keep singing. And um, we've got an, an enormous number of people to thank for, for that. Because um, without them, we, we'd have, you know, we'd have, we wouldn't have got this far. Very fortunate as well. This is the pre-YouTube time or just on the cusp of YouTube before it was as ubiquitous as it is now. And so, you know, we weren't, we didn't have, there was no videos of ourselves on the internet because that would have, well, that would have well, put the yeah, kibosh and everything. Yeah, that, would, that would be the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the music. Uh, the track we listened to at the start is from the new album. That is entitled Strangers, and that's Garfour's bus. Tell us a little bit about that yeah, song. Yeah, it's a true story. Um, Garfour Hussein comes from our area. Uh, he's a, an incredible humanitarian hero, really. He, a couple of years ago, he spent thousands of pounds of his own money in buying an old bus turned it into a kitchen and has spent pretty much the last two years driving hundreds of miles across Europe, feeding tens of thousands of people, refugees, migrants, the homeless and the needy. Uh, he's, he's just an inspirational guy, so he deserved a song, and, uh, and that's it. Now, you, you, you have a reputation for writing songs of social conscience. I mean, you... You mentioned how your music is rooted in community. It comes out of the folk clubs. Uh, on this album, uh, we're not going to be able to play this song today, but there's the Carriage 12 song, which is about the attempted train terrorism attack, uh, I think, on a train that was you know, crossing Europe. Yeah. 
you mentioned Garfo's Bus, again, a song about somebody who's trying to make a difference. That's really important for you to, when you're actually, you know, coming up with material for songs to, to you know, to, to really provoke the audience yeah. to, to think about the material? I think so. I mean, it, it just it just feels so natural, really, because these, you know, you, you hear about the, these heroes and, and first sort of instinct as a songwriter is to, is, you know, is to, is to write about it and to sing about it and to make art about it. And, and I think maybe in years gone by, I, I didn't feel confident enough to do that. We, we sort of came out of the folk scene and singing old songs, you know, great songs that have messages for today, you know, like solidarity, like union, you know, and uh, community, and but, but songs that are old. And, and and I think a part of me always thought, well, maybe I'm not really allowed to sort of write about new stuff because folk songs are sort of historical and, and my, my background's history. But I don't know, I just suppose I had more confidence in recent years to think, oh, no, hang on, I really want to really tell people this story and and writing folk songs is what I, what I most enjoy to do. And, and, and it just felt natural, really. Um, and it, it's an interesting one sort of, songs of social conscience and you could call them that or some people call them political songs it never those words that never really sort of occur to me really you just sort of write what you think is natural and um, i suppose with, with the grounding that we we've, we've got coming from this great world uh, of, of of singing full of you know justice and equality and it, it just feels like a natural thing really now do you all write uh for the band or well, I, I, wrote one, I wrote one song at the start Janet, which was wicked. So I'm now discounted. Dave's written, Dave's written a couple now, I think, and then, but then the rest is all so, Sean. <laughs> oh, we got two freeloaders here, so it's the. <laughs> oh, no, but it's my couple of songs that's raking in the cash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We have the sellout song. We have got a song about Sunderland, though, Jim. We, oh. I wrote a song about how oh, my nana met my granddad at a bus stop in the early fifties in Sunderland. It's called "Loving in Northern Town." It's on our first album. And uh, yeah, so there's a little piece of Sunderland. Oh, well, I'll have to definitely yeah, check that one out. Why don't we take a, a break with a, another track from the album? I want to play a, another song that was part of your showcase today because it's a song that tells a, I, I think, a story that's really important. And I think it's a, a story that, that needs to be told over and over again. I'm going to let you talk about it in a, in a few seconds. I want to sort of build on this storytelling aspect of of the way you perform because it's a really uh it's a big part of your show to to introduce not you know not just introducing the song but introducing the story yeah beside think, the song yeah i think that's and that's from a, the very early days of singing in the folk clubs you're always expected to you know say what the song is you're gonna sing in it and you know it helps the audience right this song's about this and it you know they know what they're gonna listen out for but yeah, the 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 song is 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 called "Be the Man" and it's and it's about this incredibly inspirational guy called Matthew Ogston who, who lost uh, his his partner in quite horrific and tragic circumstances um, three years ago. His partner was uh, was a man called Naz, Doctor Nazim Mahmood, and, and Naz's death was all to do with his family's reluctance to accept his sexuality and. So Matt's story is is incredibly heartbreaking, but also uplifting uh, in in the sense of the things that he's done in the years since he setting up a, a charity, the Naz and Matt Foundation, going into schools and universities and churches, community groups, just reaching out to people and sharing his story in the hope that what he's gone through won't go through to what happened to anybody else. So and 
since writing the song and performing it, we've we've met Matt and he's he's become a, a great friend and and um so it's just our greatest privilege to be able to share his story around the world and, and all the people that now send us emails, people who've been affected by that sort of issue, to be able to pass that, that on to Matt is just really, really special for us. Let's play that just now. This is the Young'uns from the album Strangers, and this is Be The Man. And you're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall. Matthew Hogston is my name And you'll not hear me mourn I will never live in shame I will not walk alone For though my love took his own life Because of bigotry I'll be the man be the man be the man I was born to be I was born to be and my love he was warmer and kind and my love he was strong and when his brown eyes first met mine I knew he was the one and though I walk a silent road he will walk with me If I be the man Be the man Be the man I was born to be I was born to be There is a cross Upon the hill It's arms a star upon a windowsill that beckons me inside but I'll walk beneath the crescent moon I'll walk until they see that I'll be the man be the man be the Come 
Yes, and charity, but most of all, love. And there's no God that I've heard of who could disagree. So I'll be the man. Is called to her sin and families are torn. Wherever mums can't love their sons because of how they're born. Wherever there are hands to hold, that's where I will. And I'll be the man, be the man, be the man I was born to be. I was born to be the man, be the man, be the man I was born to be. I was born. That's the Youngins with Be The Man from the album Strangers. The Youngins are our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. We're at the Folk North Export Event for Folk Music Canada in Toronto. The Youngins have come all the way from the UK to perform as part of the showcases here. They've been on tour in Canada, playing a lot of great shows. And I want to talk about the, the live show just now because one of the things that comes through really strongly is the humor and the, the self-deprecating humor. I know, David, that you do this wonderful bit where you go and say, I'm going to go to the piano and play or something and play one note and come away again. <laughs> that's very special. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the thing with, the, with, that, with that whole aspect is that when you're in the folk clubs, that's what it's like. It's very informal, really. You know, it's not a performance. It's just people standing up and if something's happened to them, you know, that day or they've got something that happened over the week, they'll just they'll just tell it, you know, because it's sharing stories with friends and it's and or or just trying out little things that might have come into their heads, little jokes and, and that kind of thing. And you get all sorts of characters in the folk club as well. You know, all these people who aren't professional performers who just but they have their own way of performing and they're absolutely hilarious people, you know, really sort of idiosyncratic people. And um, and then, of course, you've got the performers, like some of your listeners will be aware of the work of Vin Garbett from Teesside and Jez Law from Teesside. And, and, uh, maybe I thought he was from Easington, but I'll... Well, he is from Easington, <laughs> technically, but we're in a Canadian, <laughs> well, for a Canadian audience. He's a Sunderland uh, fan yeah, as well, yeah. so let's just keep things straight here. Uh, we can uh, give you his postcode if you want, but... Uh, <laughs> And, um, but, you know, it's that kind of thing. And, and the, the, the banter, the joke or the patter or whatever you want to call it, it's all part of it, really, because it's just it's, it's, it's part of the performance. And um, I don't know, it's, there's, there's always been that, hasn't there, with uh, folk and, and comedy. And a lot of uh, uh, comedians started out as folk singers. Um, you know, you've got Bernard Wrigley and Billy Conley and all sorts of people that started out from that background, really. 
tell us a little bit about the live show itself. I mean, you all sing, you, you do a wonderful a cappella. I got to admit, your version of Billy Bragg's Between the Wars is a, a, a fabulous song to start with. I always feel bad that I can't play more songs, but I know our listeners will go out and check check these songs out. Is that typically one of the, the songs you choose to start a, a set with? Well, we do start with that one, because the thing with that song is it's such an anthemic song anyway, and we were sort of listening to it in the car, and we thought, you know, this song, we could, even, we could be even more anthemic if, the, you know, if you strip away the guitar and just have it almost chant, you know, like a, like a football chant almost, you know, in a way, like a, just a big mass uh, wall of, of, of sound, a wall of voices. And so that's kind of what we aim to do with that. And it's a really good one to open with because people obviously recognize it. It's really in your face and uh, and it just says so much. And it's kind of a really good way of introducing ourselves, really, because it sort of says these are some of the themes that we'll be talking about in the song in the, over the next however many minutes people have got with us. Uh, what do you hope people take home from a young uns show? Ten CDs. Yeah, ten, ten CDs. <laughs> yeah. And Jez Law's postcode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've been on tour in Canada. I, I know, like, I, I talk to the people at Mariposa a lot, mm. and, you know, they, they loved you there. Tell us a little bit about your experiences, you know, when you are on, on tour and, you know, across well, yeah, here. I just think what we want people to take home, really, is, is the fact that it's a positive message because, you know, all of the songs on the album, they may come from seemingly negative places. You know, uh, the Garfors bus that you played um, at the start is a song, you know, it's born out of tragedy. It's born out of humanitarian disaster. But then someone did something positive and fed refugees and homeless people and migrants and did something really positive and really inspiring. So actually, that's a positive message. Be the man. The work that Matthew Ogston is now doing to combat homophobia and religious-based homophobia is a positive and inspiring thing. So I think all of the the songs almost, they come out of, they come from a place of darkness, but within, but, but they end up in a place of positivity. And so that's kind of how we, uh, so that's what, maybe that's what that we do. We lead them into the dark and we bring them into the light. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, you were saying about Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, to, to answer the question. Uh, <laughs> I answered the previous question because yeah. Michael didn't answer it properly. Turned into a two Ronnie yeah, sketch answering yeah, yeah, the previous yeah. question. Um, okay. Half past two. Nah. Uh, we, just, we just love coming to Canada. We came the first time in 2015 and we did the, the Mill Race Festival and the Godrich Celtic Roots Festival and, and uh, uh, built up a, a lovely. Uh, following in Ontario and to go to Mariposa for the first time was really, really special. We absolutely loved it. Um so Canada's been been incredibly good to us and, and, and we're delighted to to be coming back next year as well. We're going to Newfoundland for the first time next year and hopefully some other places as well. Um I think it really hit us last uh, last week when we were doing some gigs and um we were in Toronto and we, we realised that we knew we must have known a third of the audience. You know, there was about 250, 300 people there. And we must have known a third of the audience. And that's because, and we've only been here since 2015, you know, coming back periodically. And, and that's what's so great about the folk world. And most of those people, you know, a third of the audience we were friends with. We would class them as friends now and we could stay in their houses and all sorts of stuff. Um, it's just brilliant to have that kind of relationship that you get in the folk world. It's, it's very intimate. Well, there was one guy who came that we didn't know, but everyone else knew who he was. And it was Bob Ray. Um, and so that was what the Bob Ray, uh, the, the, the yeah, Bob Ray, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that was really nice to know. I mean, unfortunately for us, we didn't really know who he was until uh, afterwards, until people told us. But it was really nice of him to come and see us. Yeah. 
obviously you, you've been together 13 years. Uh, you started off as the youngins because the peop- the older guys who I think you you say in your show what are fif- 40 or 50 years older than you mm. call you the youngins. Are you going to change your name to the not quite so youngins uh, in a, a year or so? Unfortunately, Jan, unfortunately, we can't be do that because people now know we are and we have discussed it like, oh, we should change our name because it really is bad and it probably has held us back quite a lot but we're sort of doing all right really, aren't we? You know, in the, in, I think you do very so well. Yeah, It'll be fine and, and I, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's a terrible name. We absolutely hate it. But at the same time, it reminds us of where we've come from. Really, you know, it reminds us of the folk club scene and and that kind of thing. And I think we've got such a loyal like audience, you know, that have supported us a lot of them since like two thousand and four, who were there at the sunning. And I think maybe it would be a little bit of a smack in the face if we went, oh, we're changing our names now because we're far too successful for the folk club scene. So <laughs> you know, it's uh, so it's fortunately the youngins it's going to have to be, and we'll just have to cringe every single time. When someone asks what your band's called, I always say, oh, it's a terrible name. We're called the Youngins. <laughs> I, I actually think it's a great name, and I think oh, it, oh, I, I'm kind of looking try. forward to, I mean, hopefully I'll still be there in 50 years to see you sing. I was, oh, yeah, they're the Youngins. Oh, oh yeah. Wonderful. I remember when they were nippers. <laughs> <laughs> so the new album is Strangers. That's just uh, been released this year. Tell us a little bit about what you hope the future brings. Oh, I don't know. Just We, we just get such a an enormous thrill and consider it such an honor and a privilege to be able to to travel the world now and, and share stories really and, and connect to people and just uh, hopefully make people happy and, and come away having learned something and maybe be inspired to do something and, and put a bit of light piano music over the top of that <laughs> and it'd be lovely. <laughs> so we're just going to keep on going so we, we absolutely love what we do and, and, and there's so many incredible people out there to, to write songs about and to sing about and, and there's so many places we haven't been and people we haven't performed to yet so we're, we're just excited about what the future holds really just just keep them going doing what we're doing and if people want to learn more about your music how can they do that well they can use any search engine of their choice and, and uh, type in the youngins uh, it's young apostrophe uns um, or our website is theyoungins.co.uk but when we say that no one can understand our accents. They don't know what uk means. So theyoungins.co.uk. That's wonderful. It's Twitter, we're on it all. It's been great to have you join us. We've got time for one more song. You've su- suggested we play Bob Cooney's Miracle. Yes. Tell us about Bob Cooney's Miracle. Bob Cooney uh, was uh, a man who came from Aberdeen on the northeast coast of Scotland. And in his later life, actually, when he was living in Birmingham, he was, he was a regular in the folk club scene, and he knew uh, people like Ian Campbell, uh, and he knew Dick Gocken really well. Um, but his earlier life, I think a lot of people didn't really realize those days when he was singing in the 70s and the early 80s that he did this extraordinary thing in the 1930s along with many thousands of men and women from all over the world. He went to Spain to fight against fascism in the Spanish Civil War. And there's one story that just leapt off the page of his memoirs when I read them recently about one day when he was in charge of 57 young fellas uh, on the banks of the Ebro River in Spain, 57 guys who'd had nothing to eat for two days. And when the food finally reached them, unfortunately, Bob discovered that there was only one tin of corned beef and a very small loaf of bread to go around everybody. But Bob Cooney, being the man he was, because he was adored by all, all the British lads there, he performed his very own feeding of the 5,000. And everybody got something to eat. That's a wonderful story. <laughs> this is the Youngins with Bob Cooney's Miracle from the album Strangers.
And thanks again, you guys. It's great thanks to be able to talk good to good you today. You. The Young'uns at Folk North. I'm Jan Hall for Folk Roots Radio. Well, you've all heard how 5,000 orbs were fed by Christ with the fish and loaves, but on the banks of the Ebro in 38, a miracle happened on my plate. We'd had no scram for two whole days. 57 lads all hot and hazed When come the commissar with a grub, what grief A loaf of bread and a tin of beef Well, all us lads were filled with strife Till up comes Cooney with his tiny knife And before the land could wolf the sun Every man had a corned beef bun Now Jesus may have got more done But he had five loaves, not just one And Jesus' men weren't clemmed like we They're not fought fascists in a hot country So if he can share with all us men We can share the earth and start again Sharpen your knives, Bob Cooney said Bring out your beef and bring out your bread We can share the earth We can start again Oh